This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Mac Jones going deep. Devontae Smith is gone. Touchdown, Alabama. How many times have we said that this year? A lot. It's BetQL Daily with Joe Ostrowski and Ryan Horvat on the BetQL Audio Network. Make sure you're following the show on Twitter at BetQL Daily, at BetQL Daily, and download the free Odyssey app to watch, listen, and subscribe to the BetQL Daily podcast. Joe Ostrowski, Ryan Horvat. Let's bring in a guy that uh, we would have on from time to time during the college football season. Would always enjoy all of his visits. His name is Michael Felder, college football analyst for Stadium at In the Bleachers on Twitter. At In the Bleachers. Uh, Michael, we're now just a few days away from the NFL draft. Uh, do you feel like you have a gauge on anything? As uh, we're, we're going to hear more and more of these reports. It was a report late on Sunday night coming from Ian Rappaport. Okay, it's down to two players uh, for the Niners at three. We, we know what they're going to do. They're going to take a quarterback, and it is not going to be Fields. Do you, do you feel like we have a gauge? Or all these reports that we're going to hear over the next few days, you just kind of push to the side as noise. I mean, what else? We got the Chargers accidentally tweeting out that they've made a trade with the Giants. I mean, there's just <laughs> it's <laughs> I um oh man, I'm I'm ready for this. I'm ready for Thursday to be here. Yeah. There's so many in in the way of smoke screens and trying to push guys down so they fall to you and is it worth it to trade up and the trade capital and the draft capital capital and the player value and position value and I think the only thing we've got a really strong handle on is Trevor Lawrence is going to go number one. And then Mm -hmm. after that, I mean, who, who knows? Like, I, I, I think we're all assuming Zach Wilson goes too, but we'll see what happens. What, what do you think if that's the pick, if they do go with Zach Wilson at second overall, the, the odds would suggest that that is 100% happening. Um, it, it doesn't seem like we should question it at this point, but what do you think about that move by the Jets if that's what they do? I would prefer Fields, but I think Wilson is someone at least that deserves to be in the discussion. I think there's a bigger discussion. I think when we look at one, two, three in terms of quarterback with Lawrence being the obvious one, and then uh, it doesn't matter how you slice it to me with Fields or Wilson. I think Fields over Wilson, but it, I understand why some people would have Wilson over Fields. And then to me, it's 4A, 4B, 4A, Mac Jones, 4B. Um, Trey Lance, and and then uh, honestly, I think the interesting part, if it's, I, I think the team that could be put into the toughest position is are the is the Atlanta Falcons because mm-hmm. at four, with things playing out the way we think they play out, right? With Mac, with whether it's Mac or Trey Lance, and the rumors coming out that Shanahan wants Mac and um, Lynch wants Lance, and so how that picks up that plays out the Falcons are going to be the team that's in a rough spot where do we take Justin Fields because we didn't even expect him to be here 
or do we take Penny Sewell, or do we take Kyle Pitts, who most people thought we were going to take anyway? So this is a – the Falcons are the team, to me, I think the draft starts with the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, the other three, I think we're going to – we'll see how it works out, but I think things start to get interesting at four with the Falcons. Michael, for the Bengals at five, if they stay right there, they have to take a tackle in this draft, right? They have to go offensive line? If it's Penny Sewell at, 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 at that spot, yes. But I don't know that you – I don't think you can take uh, – what's his – Rashawn Slater at that high. I don't know that you can take um, Christian Derisaw that high. I think that, that becomes the question because that's why I said the draft starts with the Falcons. Because if the Falcons take Sewell off the board – now you're you're the Bengals and you're sitting there like that was the guy we wanted and now do we take a guy that we had slated later or do we let someone else move up to get fields? What do we do? So I think that's why to me this draft starts in the A. You know I've watched so much tape on Kyle Pitts because he is so ridiculous and I just I don't see a team using the top five pick on a tight end. But if he ends up having the career of a Travis Kelsey or Rob Gronkowski, I, I think that it was justified. Where do you see Pitts going, and what do you see his ceiling? I mean, I, I don't think he has a ceiling, to be quite honest. He is – I think he is probably the second best player, maybe the best player in this draft, uh, mm-hmm. depending on how you slice it with Trevor Lawrence. Uh, he is remarkably talented. Anyone that thinks he doesn't block has not watched enough of what he does because this guy is willing to get in there and reach you out, whether he's in line or lined up in a wing. He's a remarkable route runner. Uh, this kid is, he's an acrobat. The way that he's able to contort his body to make catches, I think is um, uh, like, we see, we don't, there's wide receivers that that can't do what he does. And then he does it, but also has no problem with lining up the block. So he's a top two player in this draft to me in terms of overall, the problem is going to become, as you mentioned, you can't see teams taking a tight end in that top five. So if he gets pushed down, somebody's going to get a treat. I mean, that's that's just the reality of the situation. Somebody's going to get a player that is the, the first or the second best player in this draft. They're going to get him after five. I think that's a win for the team that gets him. This is BetQL Daily. Our guest, Michael Felder, at In the Bleachers on Twitter, college football analyst for Stadium. So we know Miami was thinking, okay, we're not going quarterback by willing to slide back a few spots in the first round. But what were they thinking at six? What are they hoping falls to them? I mean, I think they're probably, I mean, we're, we're talking about the same guy, but like they're hoping that soul falls to them or because if the Falcons end up or, or pits, because if the Falcons end up grabbing fields because they go Lance or Mac Jones at three, speaking to the 49ers, then all of a sudden, as we mentioned, Five, we got to get, let's go, let's get Penesol, which means mm-hmm. Pitts is the guy that falls to them. And that's, I mean, that's, that's what you want, right? If you're Tua, you want a guy like that. Not Chase. You can go out and make plays. Go ahead. I, said, I was just saying, not, you don't think they were hoping that Chase would fall to them? I mean, yeah, I mean, they, that's, well, again, draft starts with the Falcons. <laughs> Yeah, like what are now, they doing? Now you have a decision between Chase and and Pitts. If the scenario is playing out the way that we're we're talking about, I would pick Pitts and ahead of Chase. But mm-hmm. again, get, getting Chase that's a win. So how the first three work, and then what Atlanta does is going to tell the story for not just the not just for the Atlanta, but for the Bengals, for the Dolphins, because now you're you're arriving at a decision that I and I'll be honest, you bringing that up, I hadn't even can I haven't even contemplated. The idea that you have, if you have to pick between you have to pick between Pitts and Jamar Chase, what are you going to do? Like that's a hard decision to make. And I think again, 
Atlanta is the team that's going to have the first hard decision, which leads to a bunch of other hard decisions for everybody else. No doubt, man. When does this draft start to drop off for you? Uh, I think that realistically, and it was cool. I got to talk to uh, Mark Dominic, um, former Tampa Bay GM. And he mentioned in a regular year, you usually have between 20 and 25 guys that you view as first rounders. He said in this, it depending, and it's all team dependent, right? So he said in this year, and I, I posed the question to him because I didn't want to, I wanted to get my point out before it felt like I was colored by him. But I said, I think we've got about 15 first round picks in this draft. And that would be first round picks in every other draft. And then after that, we've got guys who usually would go on day two, but there have to be 32 picks on, on Thursday night. So you've got a bunch of guys when you get to about between 14 and 17, now we start to get into the questionable situation. And that doesn't even include guys like Jones or Lance that probably are second round players as well, but because of the thirst for quarterback, they are going to be picked much higher. So I think, Right in that middle is where, again, I think we've got – so we know Lawrence won. We know that the Falcons are going to have the hardest decision to make, and then that draft goes from there. And then once we get to – I'm going to call it probably once we get around the, the Chargers or the Vikings is where things start to get interesting, uh, interesting again because now there are teams that don't really need a quarterback, so now they become buyers in the, in the marketplace. And they become teams that are looking at uh, an edge rushing class that does not really get anybody excited, a defensive tackle class that does not really get anybody excited, an offensive tackle class that yes, you need them, but let's there we're not we're not we 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 got we got a Joe Thomas, and then after that, what are we doing? Like with respect to Penny Soul, like these guys aren't as highly coveted as in past drafts. Uh, there, are, if you want a wide receiver. Absolutely. This is a great wide receiver draft, but this is going to be interesting how the back half of the draft shapes up because guys, there's, I, I think we'll see once there's one first round safety in this draft, but we'll probably see two or three safeties get picked just because Richard Grant from UCF is like, he's on the fringe of being a first rounder. And if you need a safety and you don't like the other stuff on the board, you might as well take the guy that you were going to try to get in the second round before somebody else takes him. Michael, how do you compare this draft of receivers to last year's where you had Justin Jefferson, you know, even guys like in the later rounds like T against Chase Claypool, a lot of teams did find steals. How do you compare this receiver class to last year's? Uh, the top is better. Really? And I, and I think that's a, I think that's a product, but here's the thing. It's a product of the way that football's being played now, right? Mm-hmm. Where we're seeing the wide receiver position become increasingly polished and increasingly ready and more specifically increasingly impactful early in the NFL. Remember, there was a time when wide receivers took two years, three years to be ready to play in the NFL, and now we're not seeing that. So a wide receiver can be an instant impact, which means in this draft, we're looking at the possibility of Chase, of Smith, of Waddle being instant impact guys. Then you throw in a Rondell Moore who becomes a gadget player very um, in that same world of uh, Tyreek Hill. Same thing with Katie Tony, Kadarius Tony uh, from Florida. Become those two guys fit into that gadget mode, move them around, do all these things, let them have an instant impact. Then you throw in a Rashad Bateman who's incredibly polished. Amari Rogers later in the draft, probably day two, but he's incredibly polished. And the wide receiver position has it's basically it's flip flop with the running back spot, right? Where 
running backs, you go through the 80s, the 90s, the early aughts, running back was where your value was, 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 was viewed because those guys, they run, you give them the ball 25 times a game and then you throw it to them a couple, two or three times and they make big plays and they do all this stuff. But now running backs are becoming devalued with the exception of maybe a Saquon Barkley or Ezekiel Elliott. And it's they're devalued at running back and wide receiver has now accepted that value because those guys are so explosive and you find ways to get them the ball immediately instead of waiting. Like think about if Randall Cobb was in this draft, Randall Cobb coming out of Kentucky, he would have been drafted in the first round because Mm -hmm. he can do a little bit of everything and you could get the ball to him a little quicker, but his draft value back then was pushed down a little bit because people thought it took longer to be an impactful wide receiver. Michael, I'm glad you brought up running backs because that's where I wanted to go next. It feels like 90% of mocks have the Steelers at 24 taking a running back. I would go offensive line, but that's just me. Uh, As far as RBs go, do you think we could uh, wrap up on Thursday and none are taken? And how do you rank those top few guys? So I don't think we'll wrap up on Thursday with no running back going. And I think a big part of that is because they're just like – Sometimes you got to go best player available, right? And at the spot, the Steelers are drafting, correct me if I'm wrong, they're drafting, what is it? Is it 24. 20, 24, right. So they're drafting 24. At 24, there are no positions at 24 except running back that are going to have a first rounder available. Unless we see something wild like um, uh, a Wusu Karoma fall, fall all the way down. So you're, there's not going to be first rounders at every position, including offensive line, offensive tackle specifically. So what do you need? Let's take the guy that we do view as a first rounder. And that guy's probably going to be, it's, if he's still there, Najee Harris. I love Najee. I think Najee's the best running back to come out. And I think he's, I think Najee is better than Saquon. I think Najee is better. He's not as explosive, but I think he's a better player than Saquon. I think he is better than Ezekiel Elliott. I think Najee Harris um, was, I think a lot of folks were so in awe of what the Alabama passing and vertical game was doing. They didn't realize that Najee Harris is an absolute monster that scared the crap out of defensive coordinators. And they had to scheme for him, which is what left them open down the field. So Najee's amazing and limited carries early in his career, which I think helps add to his durability and helps add to his longevity at the next level. So I go Najee one. Travis Etienne is interesting to me. I think if you're an NFL team, you do need to follow the Clemson blueprint with Travis Etienne. And instead of asking him to block, you need to get him into the route because he is not a good blocker and he doesn't want to block. So put him in the passing route and he can do damage there, which we saw him do, especially when Trevor Lawrence was sidelined with COVID symptoms. Uh, He was a real, real big factor for DJ Uyangalele in their passing game. Michael, we only got about 60 seconds, but it's just crazy to see these mocks where there's not a Ohio State pass rusher in the top five, and we don't even see a defensive player getting taken usually until like 10 with Sertan. Who's getting a steal on the defensive side of the ball in this draft in about 40 seconds? Yeah, okay, I'll be quick. I think that Rousseau and Phillips, I'll put them together. Both of those guys could be steals if they develop. These are your normal day two guys that have an opportunity to be good. They just need some development. And so you got to realize that when you draft them. I'm also very curious to see where Quiddy Pay ends up out of Michigan because he is someone who I think is probably best as a five technique, but I wonder if someone reaches on him to try to get what they think is a speed edge rusher. Michael, let's catch up after the draft so we can talk about which teams uh, did well and which drafts you don't like, all right? Yeah, sounds great to me. Thank you guys so much.
Michael Felder, make sure you're following him on Twitter at in the bleachers at in the bleachers college football analyst for stadium. I love it, man. He's got some strong opinions and like a lot of people, can we just get to Thursday already? I'm ready to roll. Even though I don't, I don't mind the rumors. I don't mind them at all. I, I think it's a lot of fun. 